So we have come to the end of season two. I can't believe that, you know, I've done almost 30 episodes of Sex, Love, Whiskey. When I started this out, it was just for me to be rambling because I just like to talk. I really didn't know if anyone would listen. Really wasn't interested in people listening, but I am so grateful to you guys for listening to me and making season number two as successful, if not more successful than season number one. I'm excited about the changes and the opportunities that are coming up for season three. So be sure to check it out. Make sure you stick around for that. I will be adding new product, new games, new activities, new events. It's a lot going down for season three. So be sure to stick around. Now with all that shameless plugging out of the way, season two finale, I'm giving you my top 10 questions or top 10 topics that I receive concerning sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. Tonight, I'm sipping on Basil Hayden's Extra Rye. And yes, I'm aware that I keep drinking the same whiskey, but that should tell you something. Basil Hayden has a few different variations, actually, but this is the red label, and it is Extra Rye, which I love because it has this really dry, spicy aftertaste. I love rye whiskey, okay? So if you're in the mood and you want, you know, a good sipping whiskey with a little extra kick, go on, grab your bottle, Basil Hayden's Extra Rye, Red Label. And, you know, let's get into it. Toxic, make love, sip whiskey. Season two finale, we're going to dive directly into it, Leah's top 10 questions. So if you follow me on social media, which you should, follow me on social media, Facebook, Sex Love Whiskey, IG, same thing, Sex Love Whiskey. Um, I'm going to be more active on those social media pages now because apparently that's what you guys want, that's what I want, we're going to get into it on social media, especially during this hiatus of transitioning between um, season two and season three, because you know, I need a break to re up anyway. So, I asked, you know, what do you want to talk about? What questions do you have for me? What topics are weighing on you? Um, and you shy people didn't necessarily post, um, answer me on the post, but you know, you hit me in the DMs, those that know me, text me, or message me on my personal page. And I just combine that with questions that I get in general or have received over the course of doing Sex Love Whiskey, the course of doing my TV show back when I had it, Real Talk with Leah Lynette, um, and a couple of my other talk shows that I used to, to host. So let's just get right into it, okay? 
So these aren't in any particular order, except I'm going to get the nice ones out the way first that are more so about relationships. So let's get into those. So number one, how do I meet someone? So when I got this question, I thought it was rather simple, actually, at first. My first thought was, what the fuck? What you mean, how do you meet somebody? You go outside and you meet people. But then it dawned on me, Leah. The person that's asking this question is relatively young. I say that like I'm old, but, you know, they're in their 20s. (laughs) And today is a different day and age, right, about meeting people. You have this whole social media and digital world out here that existed when I was dating, but it was not like it is now, right? Um, And I'm used to just talking to people face to face and having direct contact with people and going out and meeting people, what I call the old fashioned way. But times have changed, especially during this time of quarantine and this whole COVID epidemic has really changed the game. But I'm not going to speak on you know, changing fads or whatever, because life happens, things change. But what do not, what does not change is how you actually meet someone worth meeting. So my advice for this question is, is how do I meet someone? I took that as saying, how do I meet someone and I'm ready for a serious relationship? Or I'm looking for someone that I can potentially, um, you know, be in a long-term relationship with. So the first thing I would tell you is to not go searching. Don't go looking for somebody, you know, don't actively be hunting um, for your soulmate, because what that does is generate anxiety and too many expectations. So don't make a plan and say, oh, tonight I'm going out to meet my husband or tonight I'm going out to meet my wife. Don't do that. Don't go searching. You want to actually attract them to you. What does that mean, Leah? You want to live a lifestyle that's conducive to attracting the type of person you are interested in. Mm, Let me say that one more time for the people in the back. You want to live a lifestyle that's conducive to attracting the type of person you are interested in. So, If you have your list, ladies, we've discussed this before, and I know y'all still got y'all's list. Guys, you might have one too. But if you have certain characteristics, certain traits that you want in an ideal mate, make sure that you're living the lifestyle that's going to attract that type of person. Okay, ladies, I pick on you a lot because I'm a lady. I'm a woman. I can, you know, pick on us, I feel like. (laughs) But say, for instance... On your list for an ideal mate, someone that you're trying to attract or someone that you want to be in a relationship with, you have makes a certain amount of money, is self-sufficient, lives on his own, has his own car, has his own job, has his own everything, right? Make sure that you match that energy. Make sure that you have that same lifestyle because you will attract those same types of people, Now, let's flip that, guys. If you're saying that you want a physically attractive woman, you want a physically fit woman that is into um, doing sports and outside activities, make sure that you fit that lifestyle. 
Make sure that you go into the gym. Make sure that you're outside doing those types of activities because number one, you won't be a hypocrite, okay? Number two, you're going to attract that type of person because you're living the lifestyle that is conducive to attracting that type of person. Does that make sense? All too often, I hear about people going to the clubs and going to bars and going out to, you know, three for one drinks at the <laughs> at the restaurant and they meet people and it doesn't turn out to be the type of person that they want. Well, look where you met that person. Not saying that you can't meet quality people there, but don't make that a habit. Don't make that your go-to spot, right? Unless that's the type of person that you want to meet. So be sure that you're in the lifestyle, doing the things that you want to attract in your partner. That makes sense, guys. Okay, so that's number one. How do I meet someone? So number two, I get this question, and this is a doozy. Like it's it, it's gonna take me a minute to explain this when I think. But number two, what is a healthy relationship? <laughs> well, damn. What is a healthy, and in quotation marks, healthy relationship? A healthy relationship is subjective as fuck. Like, what's healthy for someone might not be healthy for someone else. Or somebody is going to find something toxic or wrong with anything that I say in response to this question, right? Because that's just the culture that we live in right now. But what is a healthy relationship? I take this question to meaning... Healthy relationship means that you're happy, everything is going well. Um, we know that relationships are 100% perfect and everything is in sunshine and rainbows all the time. But what makes a healthy relationship for me is the following, okay? Um, when I think of a healthy relationship, I think of someone that brings out the best in me, not the worst. We've all had these relationships with a very, very passionate, right? That's what we like to call it, passion. We get into arguments and we fight because we're very passionate about each other. But at the end of the day, when that passion is gone, does that person bring out the best in you and not the worst in you, right? So in a healthy relationship for me, the person that I am with brings out the best in me, the best qualities in me, the best traits in me. They do not make me curse them out. <laughs> they do not make me want to fight them, right? They don't make me want to do things that are not in my character or out of my character, right? So make sure that the person brings out the best in you. A healthy relationship also feels good, right? Like you... You should feel good when you're around that person. And you should also feel good about yourself. Now, this is important and also relates to the first one that I said brings out the best in you. When you are around your partner, you should feel good, right? You should be happy to see that person. You should be excited. Not saying that every single time you see that person, you should get butterflies, although it happens and it would be dope if it does. Trust me. I look at my man all the time and he'd be like, what you looking at? Just looking at you with that big ass grin on your face. Yes, with this big ass grin on my face, just because I like looking at you because you make me happy, right? So you should feel good when you're around that person and you should feel good about yourself, you shouldn't be around someone that makes you feel beneath them or not worthy enough or you just get tense or upset 
(laughs) under any circumstances, or you feel like you have to walk on eggshells. A lot of times we get complacent and comfortable in a relationship, and then that person turns into someone else, and we stay there because that's what we used to. We stay there because we spent so much time there, but you feel like you're walking on eggshells, or you feel like that you can't talk to that person, right? Okay, so I'm going to get into that in a minute. Um, So what else means a healthy relationship? A give and take balance. What do you mean? Every relationship is built on give and take because you can't be at 100% all the time. No one is at 100% all the time, 24-7 at 100%. And what I mean is some days you're going to need help, whether that's financial, emotional, physical, you're going to need help and vice versa. So is your partner. But it has to be a balance of this give and take relationship. You can't always be the giver. And you can't always be the taker because what that's going to do is put a strain on your relationship and make someone not want to be around you because every time they see you, you need something, you want something from them, right? And if I'm the giver in the relationship constantly, that's going to drain me. I don't have any room left for anything happy, right? Or when those happy moments do come, I'm not excited about them because they're few, far, and in between and I'm over it. So let's make sure that you have a balance of give and take because both of you need to be givers and both of you can be takers. Let's just make sure that there's a balance there. Um, what else is a healthy relationship? I said enjoy each other. Absolutely enjoy each other. Enjoy each other's company. Talk about everything that you possibly can talk about. And it's okay, right? So they have to be your safe space. They need to be... Your space in your life (laughs) where you are free to be 100% honest. You are free to say what's on your mind without persecution, without judgment, without being met with disrespect. You have to have a safe place. Every person needs a safe place, right? We need a person, a place that we can completely be ourselves, let our hair down, let our guards down, And just be. And so does your spouse or so does your potential partner, right? You need to be their free um, space. I can't talk today. Safe space, right? I see a lot of posts and stuff on social media that says be his peace or be her peace. And that's true, right? So make sure that you're creating an atmosphere that your partner feels able to come and talk with you. And that leads me into my next point about a healthy relationship, Conflict resolution, not arguments. One more time. Conflict resolution and not arguments. No one gets along 100% of the time. No one is going to agree with another person 100% of the time. Nor do you probably not want someone to agree with you 100% of the time because how boring would that be? How boring would conversations be? But here's the kicker. A healthy relationship means that you can... Form an opinion, have an opinion that is contrary to your partner's opinion, and not argue about it. Not call someone out their name when you're arguing about it, and not be disrespectful because you have a difference of opinion. You have positive conflict resolution. What does that mean, Liam? That means that you can sit down like grown-ass people and have a conversation and dilute the situation. If you're angry about something, you know how to use your words, not this passive aggressive shit, right? 
We tend to do that a lot. We be mad about something. Don't tell the person that we're with we're mad about it. Two weeks later, they can stay past the jelly. And you like, ah, so you now you like strawberry jelly. I thought you like grape jelly. You just be changing. <laughs> Y'all know how that, that happens, right? That's that passive aggressive shit. That is not a healthy relationship, right? Talk to your partner about something that you're upset with. You should be able to go to that person and y'all should be able to sit down and have a healthy conversation about things that you don't agree with or that you're upset about or that's bothering you in general without repercussions, without disrespect, and without being called out their name, right? So all that for me is a healthy relationship. All right, all right, all right. Now that we got this relationship stuff out the way, let's get into sex. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let's get into the sex questions. So this might be the number one question that I get about sex in general from both sexes and all age groups is how do I have better sex? Right? Yes. Everybody wants to know how to have better sex. And again, All of this is subjective because better means different from what you have experienced before. So it honestly just depends on your level (laughs) and expertise in sex and the experience that you have previously had that'll make it seem quote unquote better. But in general, how do you have better sex? Um, again, what is better So because you don't know what better is, well, you might know what better is for you, but do you know what better is for the person that you're with? My number one, and y'all should know, say it with me, communication. That is the answer to just about any question that you have in your relationship, right? Don't ask me, ask the person that you're with because I ain't fucking you, right? And if I was, then just ask me, right? (laughs) So how do I have better sex? Open communication. Make sure that you ask your partner questions and explore new ideas, new positions, whatever with your partner. It's all about communication because maybe your partner thinks that this sex is amazing because based on their previous experience, this is great. Maybe you're a little bit more experienced than your partner. So maybe you had this type of sex six years ago and it doesn't do anything for you. But how will your partner know if you don't talk about it? Which brings me to part B of this question. How do you talk to your partner about sex? You sit down and you talk to your partner about sex. Don't do it during sex. Don't do it right after sex. Right. Because your emotions are heightened. You might be upset. They might be happy. You don't want to interrupt that flow of endorphins or whatever during sex and around sex. So schedule time, cook a nice dinner, go out to eat, whatever the conversation may be and sit down and have this conversation directly with your significant other. Okay. Don't have this conversation with their friends or their um, siblings or with your friends so it can get back to them. Because that's the worst thing you can do is talk about someone in a sexual manner to your friends negatively and it gets back to them. Because then that's going to be a whole different situation. So if you want to have, quote, better sex, talk to your partner. Ask them what do they like in sex, right? So that's a very good opener, 
just sit down and be like, hey, babe, I was thinking, when it comes to sex, what is it that you like? How can I better please you? And starting the conversation off that way makes them feel secure and safe. It doesn't come off as if you're attacking or criticizing them. Um, Because, you know, we're all very, you know, personal or very touchy about our our sex, right? We don't want to feel like we're not pleasing our partner or that we did some garbage at it. So if you approach a situation asking how you can better please them, then it naturally lets their guard down. They don't feel attacked. And it gives you the space and opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to try and do that more or yeah, well, let's talk about other stuff. Let's talk about your fantasies. Let's talk about things that I like. Let's talk about how we can better please each other. Make it a conversation about us and not a conversation attacking, saying, oh, you do this or you don't do this and therefore I am not. Try to move away from that type of situation and make it about us. All right, so let's dive into question number four. <laughs> this one, yeah, I'm just going to get into it because I don't even know how to preface this. So question number four, is squirting real or is she peeing on me? <laughs> oh, y'all, this question tickles me to death for multiple reasons. So many different reasons. Okay. So if you are not familiar with what I'm referring to as, quote, squirting, let me give you a little information. So squirting basically is female ejaculation. Okay, what do you mean by that, Leah? Do you mean an orgasm? Do you mean coming? I do mean coming. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be an orgasm, but most of the time, yes, but it's ejaculation, female ejaculation. Okay, so so normally, you know, when women orgasm, it's like a trickle, it's just a wetness. Um, ejaculation means that it projects like a male when he comes. You know, of course, it projects. So women can actually project during orgasm, and this is called squirting. Um, some people think it is a myth. Some people think that the woman is like peeing on you. Um, All of this is incorrect. And let me tell you because I know. So female squirting is not a myth. It is a real thing. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes trust. It takes skill in order for you to squirt as a woman. And no, it is not urine. People learn your body. Urine comes from a completely different place in your vagina than coming. <laughs> okay? Two different places. And it is a scientific fact. Go look it up. Then when a woman orgasms, she cannot pee. You can't do both at the same time. So no. And squirting is clear. and might have a slight tint to it but it is clear it does not smell like urine (laughs) so you would know if someone was peeing on you urine has a distinct smell and squirting does not it does not have the same smell texture none of that okay so 
No, squirting is not urine. And yes, squirting is real. Now, the follow-up question to that is, how do you achieve said squirting? Well, it depends on the person. And it depends on if the woman is actually capable of doing it, right? So, squirting requires great Kegel muscles and control, number one. Number two, squirting requires you to know your own body and requires practice. And I say that it requires practice and patience because it's not something that's instantaneously going to happen. You need a partner that knows what they're doing or you need you and your partner needs to be interested in doing it and have a safe place again because you have to be 100% relaxed and trusting of your partner in order for you to reach for the first time in a way reach this type of climax or um, orgasm. So basically, it is like a deep um, vaginal orgasm. Um, It is from a place deep down, (laughs) G-spot-ish, if you will. Um, But you have to hit it the right way and it doesn't necessarily have to be by penetration from the penis it can be by fingers it can be by toys that was how mine was done the first time um and trust me that is the funny story the first time I was like what the hell it freaked me out because I didn't know what was going on but yeah it's worth it so no it's not urine yes it's a real thing do some google research on it Find you a partner that is open, that is interested to seeing if you can make yourself squared. Hell, make it a game. Ladies, figure out if you can do it on your own because you can get there on your own using your God-given digits or some toys um, and explore yourself, right? A lot of times, and I'm looking back, and I say hindsight is 2020, right? So looking back, I realized that I probably could have squared it long before I did um, but I thought it was because I had to go to the bathroom, right? Like I was holding it because I thought I had to go to the bathroom. But like when you're orgasming, you can't urinate at the same time. It's scientifically impossible. So ladies, if you ever get like this crazy orgasm and in the middle of sex or in the middle of this orgasm, you're like, oh, I got to go pee. And it kind of just gushes out of you. It's not like regular urine. We're talking about pee, Lord have mercy. But it's not like regular urine. It just gushes out of you like either during sex or after sex and you get up and go and it's like an immediate thing like you have to go right then. Then that's probably squirting. It's probably not urine, right? If you are aroused and you get a sudden sensation like you have to pee, it's not pee. It's an orgasm. It is squirting. Funny story about squirting. So I have a friend. (laughs) I'm not going to say their name, but I am going to tell this story. Whatever. I have a friend that frequented, um, you know, sex clubs with their significant other. And during their experience at a sex club, a woman that they both were, you know, being intimate with squirted on her. And, like, she tried to fight the girl. 
I'm talking about straight up told me the story. She wanted to whoop her ass because she was like, the bitch peed on me. She tried to say it was squirting, but she peed on me. And I'm like, no, she didn't pee on you. There is a such thing as squirting. And she was like, because she had never squirted, then, you know, of course it was fake. It was not a real situation. And I'm like, okay, but you owe that girl an apology for trying to fire on her because that was just a really good orgasm, right? People pay a lot of money for women to squirt. Now, let's fast forward probably about six years or so. I get a phone call. Bitch, I squirted for the first time. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. Not Miss Squirting isn't real. And you was going to fire on a bitch for squirting on you. You need to find her for real because you didn't think that squirting was a real thing. But yes, it is a real thing. So if that is something that you are interested in um, yourself, ladies, like explore yourself. Ain't nothing wrong with exploring what you like and what your body can and cannot do. Then that way you can translate it to the your partner and be like, hey, hit right here, touch right here, do this, do that. You know, there's nothing wrong with a little roadmap to your orgasmic relief. Okay. Anyway, so yes, squirting is real. And that was question number four. So question number five. Oh, y'all. Why is there a double standard for men versus women when it comes to being bisexual or exploring same sex experiences? That's a whole mouthful. I cannot tell you exactly why there is a double standard, but I can confirm and say, yes, there is absolutely a double standard when it comes to exploring sexuality, men versus women. Um, I think this has to do a lot with toxic masculinity, um, and I'm not going to get into that whole situation. <laughs> I think it has a lot to do with Men being the dominant sex in society and always has been in the Western society anyway, and their fantasies being okay. So like men often fantasize about women being together. It's like a whole thing for them. It is accepted. It is okay for women to explore other women. It is okay for women to have sexual intercourse or sexual interactions with their friends, the other women, and they won't necessarily be considered bisexual. They won't be considered lesbian. They just considered friendly or like freaks or fun. Um, but they aren't labeled as gay or they aren't labeled as lesbian. However, if a male in this same situation does that, automatically they are titled gay, right? <laughs> I don't even think that people really have the subcategory of bisexual or accept that for a man. People automatically, in general, their mind goes from straight to gay, right? Heterosexual to homosexual when it comes to men. If you do anything, kiss a guy, look at a guy in a sexual type of way, touch a guy's penis, then you're gay right? That seems to be the direct result. And I think this question came up because honestly, I was watching, um, what is it, Grown-ish? I saw this episode and it's funny that someone asked me this because they were having the same uh, conversation on this TV show, Grown-ish. 
And one of the characters um, was high on Molly and was, you know, having sex with his girl. And there was a dude there and he kissed the dude, but nothing happened. Like that was it. He kissed them, decided that that wasn't something he was interested in, didn't, you know, go any further with it. And he told his boys about it and they were like, oh, we didn't know you was gay. We didn't know you was bi. And he was like, I'm not. He's like, I kissed him. I didn't like it. That's not for me. I'm not going down that road. So it was this whole philosophical question about if a guy kisses a guy, does that automatically make them bisexual? Does it make them gay? If they decided that that is not for them, that that is something that they're not interested in. And that's a good question. So I'm going to pose that question to you guys. What do you all think? If it is okay for a woman, for a female to kiss another woman or be sexually Um, attracted to or do sexual things with another woman and she is not considered a lesbian or even bisexual then why is it not okay for a man to do it why is there a different perception like I said I have my different ideas and theories um but I'm not gonna go into all of it I'm gonna leave that one up to y'all so yes there absolutely is a double standard Um, for men and women when it comes to exploring same-sex experiences. Women are often encouraged to do so, especially at a younger age, around college age, Um, and it is tremendously frowned upon if a man does it. And I'll be perfectly honest with you guys, I don't have anything absolutely 100% pro-choice, like love who you want to love, have sex who you want to have sex with. I am all about it, got all kinds of friends all up and down the spectrum and rainbow. Love them all. Been there, done that. Um, But I will tell you, I will probably feel some type of way if my boyfriend was like, you know, back in the day in college, I kissed a dude. I might look at him sideways for a moment. Honestly, that's just being 100% honest. I probably would look at him sideways for a moment. But then I would do follow-up questions. Because if you did it exploring, you didn't do anything else, you didn't go any further, it wasn't a full-on sexual experience, then I'm going to leave you alone about it. I'm going to be cool about it. Um, But yeah, so that's just my own situation. And it might sound homophobic, but it's really not. It's just I choose to be with a different type of dude. Like that's just my preference. But anyway, question number six. Does size matter for real? Mm, mm, mm. The age-old question. Does the size of a man's penis actually matter to a woman or actually matter when it comes to enjoying sex? The answer is yes and no. (laughs) Let me confuse you some more. Yes and no. So let's just get some some statistics, okay? So the average size penis all across the world is roughly five inches fully erect. Five inches fully erect. Okay. In America, in certain nationalities, it's actually smaller. It's like 3.5 inches fully erect. That's the length. And the circumference average around the world is three inches. So five inches long and three inches circumference. That's not really, really big, to be perfectly honest. So if the man's average penis size is that, then you would think this size really doesn't matter because women are going to have sex, right? We're going to have sex. However, for me, 
personally and for the women that I have spoken to this in my circle is not about the size more so as the action behind it like what can you do with it are you talented with what you have because I'll be perfectly honest with you I've slept with men who have had like hung like a horse like big ridiculous size penis long thick girth like everything right And that shit was not good because I tell you what, when a guy has a big penis, he thinks that that's all he needs. It's been my experience, like a really big one. They think that, oh, they got a big dick, so they don't really need to do anything but pound. And that's ridiculous. And when you have a big penis like that, that shit hurts. That don't feel good. You need to know what to do with it. So for me, it's the motion in the ocean, not the size of the boat. Okay, you can have a small penis and know how to work it and know what to do with it and will satisfy me a lot more than someone that has a large penis and doesn't know what to do with it. And when it comes to size, the reason why I said yes and no, because I prefer girth over length, right? So a long pencil dick, like you can have (laughs) a long penis and it has no girth, no no width to it is long and skinny the only way that you're going to get orgasm that way for me is if you hit the g-spot all the way in the back right um and that takes some skill because i like a penis to fill me up like i like the girth right is this too much information (laughs) y'all i like width i need to fill it on all my walls right So if your penis is short but thick and you know what to do with it, then sign me up. I am here for it. So no, it's not all about the size per se. It's about using what you have to your advantage, right? So if you know you have a smaller size penis, then figure out ways that you can use that small penis to make people orgasm. Because at the end of the day, if you can make your woman orgasm, mission fucking accomplished, okay? Doesn't matter what size it is. Mission fucking accomplished. Okay, anyway. um, I think we're on seven. How can I tell if she's faking it? Question number seven came from a guy. How can I tell if she's faking it? Well, if she's really good at it and has been doing it for her entire life, you can't tell that a woman is faking an orgasm if she doesn't want you to know and if you're not paying attention. However, if you have been with the woman often, and you have felt her orgasm and you know how her body moves, you actually pay attention, then you will be able to know um, if she's faking an orgasm. And yes, all women at some point in their life have faked an orgasm, whether it's because their partner couldn't make them orgasm, whether it's because they were tired and just ready for it to be over with, um, trying to stroke their ego, whatever the case may be, at some point in life, a woman has faked an orgasm. If they tell you that they haven't, the lie detector test has determined that's a damn lie. Right? Not saying that they do it on a consistent basis, but at some point that they have. Um, Because sometimes women have never ever had an orgasm. Right? It's a lot of women out here that don't know what an orgasm feels like. And because they don't want to disappoint their mate, 
um, their sexual partner, they will fake an orgasm so they feel accomplished and it doesn't hurt their feelings. A lot of people do that just to preserve the feelings of the person that they're with. It doesn't mean that you aren't pleasing them. Let's get on that for a minute. Women don't always have to have an orgasm in order to feel good. And apparently neither does men. Because I used to have this thing about, oh, if a guy doesn't know something is wrong. But I've been told that as a guy, sometimes you just have sex for the sake of having sex. Like you don't necessarily have to orgasm in order for it to feel good. Or you don't have to bust a nut to orgasm, right? Which is a new thing for me with guys. But I'm not going to speak on that because I'm not a guy. I'm going to speak on women orgasm. You can have sex and it feels good without orgasming, without having that big O, right? So instead of like questioning or wondering if she's faking or really having an orgasm, again, have that conversation. Be like, have you orgasm? Like, it's okay. I want to know so I know how to better please you. Again, putting yourself last and putting their feelings first. Ask them, have they orgasmed? Or how can I make you orgasm? Or what's your favorite type of orgasm? Because there are indeed different types of orgasms. So, you know, do a little bit of research. Do a little bit of homework. Figure some stuff out. And see if, you know, you can make her orgasm. Talk about it. Right? All right. Um, question number eight. Tips for a threesome. Mm-mm-mm. All right, guys, so we are straddling into dangerous territory <laughs> when it comes to threesomes. I can talk all day about threesomes. Did I do a threesome episode last season? I don't remember. If I did, go check that out. But, okay, tips for threesomes. Number one, have a open communication conversation with your significant other about threesomes before you ask them for one. What do you mean? Don't just sit on the couch and one day be like, hey, I want a threesome. Can we have a threesome? Out of nowhere, prepare your significant other first. Talk about threesomes. Bring the topic up to judge where they are, where they stand on threesomes. If they would even be interested in having a threesome. Because you don't want to offend the other person. You don't want to turn them off. If a threesome is something that you are really into and that you need for your sexual preference or that you desire, then you need to know if your mate is compatible with you, right? So first tip... (laughs) Bring up a threesome in a non-sexual atmosphere and ask them how they feel about them in general. Talk to them about it in general. Do the trick that everybody does. So my homie was trying to have a threesome with his girl and her girl got mad. Like, what do you think about threesomes, right? That is an easy way to bring up the idea about a threesome. So you don't offend the person or shock the person that you are with, right? So number one, find out if they are even remotely interested in having a threesome. Let's say that your partner is interested in a threesome and you know that they're interested in a threesome. So if you're at the point where you're like really talking about it and you're planning it, my tips would be to number one, outside of that, right? Number one, 
make sure that you set ground rules for your threesome. Meaning, what is allowed? What is okay? Can I kiss the other person? Can we have full-on intercourse? Can I penetrate the person? Can they do oral sex? Like, make sure that you have this conversation. And it sounds fruitful or like silly, but if you're going to plan having a threesome, then go on and plan it. Make sure that there are no surprises and that everyone is okay and comfortable with what is going on. Also, give yourself a safe word. So if you or your partner is feeling uncomfortable with what is going on and they say that safe word, you know to back out of the situation or stop doing whatever it is that's currently being done because your partner is feeling unsafe or uncomfortable, right? So have a plan. What is allowed? Um, Number two, have a safe word. My third tip for having a threesome is... Guys, if it's your idea, let the woman pick the girl. (laughs) Trust me. Save your efforts, your energy, your frustration. Let the woman, if you're doing a female, female, male um, threesome, let the woman pick the girl. Because if you pick the female, it's going to be in the back of their mind 90% of the time. Oh, you wanted to fuck her. Oh, this is what you like. Oh, she's not like me. There's going to be a whole comparison situation, right? So you have to make sure that your partner is 100% completely okay and comfortable with the person that has been chosen. And the easiest way to do that is to allow them to pick the person, right? Let them pick and then you decide if you want to join in or if you want that person also. So let let the other person pick who you're having a threesome with. And then I, my last tip is to pick someone you don't know. Meaning, don't pick your best friend. Don't pick his best friend. Don't pick his ex. Don't pick someone you have history with. I say that because that can become a messy situation unless you're looking for a polyamorous relationship or you, this friend or whoever it is is just dope and super cool and super chill with both of you all because that can become messy if it doesn't go well, somebody catches feelings, whatever the case may be, it can be a whole horrible situation. And if you know each other, you're in each other's lives, that can become awkward. Um, feelings can be hurt. All kinds of stuff can come from that. Um, and instead of choosing somebody that you know, I would choose someone that you get to know strictly for this reason and that has something to lose. That sounds crazy, but listen. If you pick somebody, especially if you're trying to be discreet, if you're not trying to be discreet about it, then it really doesn't matter. But if you're trying to be discreet about it, pick someone who has something to lose. Because at the end of the day, you're in a relationship with someone and you're bringing a third person into your relationship, right? You don't want your business all out in the street. So pick someone who has something to lose. Also pick someone who is also in a relationship or pick someone who doesn't want to be in a relationship Pick someone who is in the public eye, (laughs) right? So if they go around talking shit and telling your business personal life about what's going on, they also have something to lose in it. They have skin in the game. So chances are they're not going to do it, right? And then my last tip, have fun. 
despite what I'm saying about planning and making sure everything is okay, that's all prep work. When it comes down to it, have fun. Like that's the whole purpose. If it's not fun, then don't do it. Stop. It's real easy. And don't let anyone talk you into doing a threesome because you're not going to enjoy it. Let that be a mutual decision. And if the person isn't interested, then move on to something else. Don't dwell on it. Don't force someone because all that's going to do is create resentment. Okay. So question number nine, should I find my one night stand? I had some following up questions for this one because I didn't quite understand it at first. And they were saying, like, after you have a one night stand for some with someone, should they find them like on social media because they want to have sex with them again or they're interested in pursuing a relationship? My answer is hell no. Nope, 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 nope. If you both went into the situation knowing that it was going to be a one night stand, let that shit be a one night stand. Um, <laughs> because often people do one night stands because it's spur of the moment. Um, they might be in some type of emotional transition, whether that's breaking up with a boyfriend or need to break up with a girlfriend or trying to get back. It might be revenge sex. Hell, you never know. Or they just might be in their whole phase where they feel like having sex because that's what they want to fucking do. Right. So, no, do not go trying to find your one night stand because you think that you're into them. Here's the kicker. If it's meant for you to be with your one night stand, then you will run into that person again. If you run into them again and they acknowledge you and they have conversation with you, then that's your chance to build a conversation. If you find them on social media organically, then that's something else. Don't go stalking them and slide into their DMs for what? It was a one-night stand. Ask yourself, would you want someone you had a one-night stand with sliding up into your DMs? And at the end of the one-night stand, if it was good, if you feel like you are vibing, then that's the time for you to say, hey, you want to exchange phone numbers? That's the time for you to say, I'd like to do this again. Because if you just departed and nobody said anything, let that shit go. Find something else. Do not go stalking a damn person. Because if you go looking for something, you're going to find it. And you might find and see some shit that's going to hurt your feelings or that you don't like. Right? So, no. Do not go searching for your one night stand. All right. I have been talking my ass off tonight. So, we are finally at number 10. How do I make my fantasies come true in real life? Listen, I am all here for this question. And I know that I have touched on this in several podcasts, how to spice up your relationship, how to talk to your mate about fantasies, go back and listen to those. But I'm going to give you a little bit of information right here at the end of season two of Sex, Love and Whiskey. <laughs> how do I, you know, bring up my fantasies in real life? It's real easy, y'all. Like it's, it's simple. What I'm going to say, let's say it together. Communication. It's all about communication with your partner. If it includes a partner. Because some people's fantasies are single fantasies. They ain't got nothing to do with nobody else. It's just shit that you want to do. Right? So this applies to both. My advice to you would be to sit down and create a list. Just like this top 10. Or do you a top 5. However many it is. 
Do you a sex bucket list? If you are single, create a single sex bucket list. If you are a couple, sit down. Each of you create a sex bucket list separately and then compare them. And say yay or nay to each one of your ideas on a list. And then you create a combined sex bucket list. That shit is fun, right? Because it's kind of like a quest, a sex quest, right? A sex hide and go seek, if you will. Let's figure out what our fantasies are and then let's make them come true together. That shit is hot, especially if you're in a couple and have been together for a really long time, right? This it, it's like it's easy for the the spark to die down. This is an easy and fun way to make this shit come back to life. And you would be surprised what your partner is over there harboring and really want to do and hadn't said anything to you, right? So create a sex bucket list. Put them in order of priority, and you can work your way up to the one that scares you the most or the one that's going to take the most time to do or whatever the case may be. So once you created this list, if you are single or if you're in a couple, decide when you want to tackle one. Like it, it, there's no time limit on when you can do them and do them multiple times if that's what you want to do. Explore, see what you like, what you don't like, what your partner like. Be open to new opportunities and new experiences because you never know. You might be an undercover freaking likes and shit. You might like getting whipped. You might like having a threesome. You might like having sex in a public space, right? There's a lot of different kinks and fantasies that people have that you might be down for and you might not be down for, right? So write that shit out and make that shit happen. It's real easy. And there's... Well, they said there's a group for that. There are so many groups on social media now about different types of fantasies, whether you're a fur baby and you like to dress up like animals and have sex, whether you like latex, whether you like balloons, whether you like feet. You know, y'all, there's <laughs> there's a kink for everything. So whatever your desire being gang bang. Um, to be voyeurs and watch other people have sex, have sex in the rain, have sex in the woods. Like, you know what I mean? There's a whole bunch of different things out there that you or your partner may be interested in. And I say explore that shit to the fullest with someone that you trust and are in a relationship with. Or if you are solo, do your solo dolo list, right? Have two lists. Solos are more fun because, hell, I can have a list all by myself, my freak list, my whole phase list as a solo person. And then if I get into a relationship, now I got a relationship list. Like, that's never my best life. So how do you explore fantasies in real life? Come up with a sex bucket list. And like Nike said, just do that shit, right? So as I wrap up this sex hour (laughs) at the end of season two, Sex Love Whiskey, I am so excited y'all about season three on reading. Let me just say that I appreciate each and every one of you for listening to me for season one and season two. If you are new, please go down and check it out. Season one, check out season two episodes. Leave me some feedback. You can leave me voicemails on Anchor FM, y'all. You can hit me up. Be sure to follow Sex, Love, and Whiskey on social media because there's going to be some things that I post on there that 
of course, you're not going to get out here in a podcast world. So specifically IG, Sex Love Whiskey. Find me on IG. Um, And let's talk about what to expect in season three. So the idea of season three is to be like conversations with. Because apparently y'all like the conversation with me and my boyfriend or having, you know, guest speakers on, having candid conversations. And I like those too. You don't necessarily want to hear me rant and rave um, the entire um, season. <laughs> but what I plan on doing is having guests for every single episode. Now, I'm still going to give you my time. You're going to get Leah time every episode. But I want to have a guest and we're going to talk about different topics. And I'm going to get their real reactions, no bullshit, no PR shit. Like, let's dive into it and get this real tea. So we're going to do that. Um, that's the goal. And I'll let y'all know. So season two is over with. Woo-hoo. I am so grateful. I'm thankful. And I hope that you all have enjoyed it. And be on the lookout for season three. It is what? March now. Still at the beginning of March. Middle of March. So I'm thinking season three is going to start in May. So season three, Sex, Love, and Whiskey starts in May. And as always, have fun, get freaky, do what you do unapologetically. And until next time, let's get into it.